Welcome to Igniting the Fire Within, a limited series podcast presented by Wildfire Magazine and The Burn Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Emily Purcell. Each week for the next year, you'll hear an essay from our book read by the author. Igniting the Fire Within is a collection of stories of healing, hope, and humor, offering an insider's view into today's young breast cancer community. We compiled 50 essays from people diagnosed in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. There's medicine for each of us in these stories, whether you've been personally diagnosed with cancer or not. Wildfire stories in general, but especially the ones you'll hear from Igniting the Fire Within, are stories of transformation. Our storytellers experienced a shift in perspective as a result of something that happened to them. And the cancer diagnosis was not the thing that happened, or it wasn't the only thing. The cancer diagnosis was merely the catalyst for later changes that led our writers to understand the deep truths about the world. Each one of them learned lessons that showed them what it is to live, not just survive, in the glare of cancer. We believe deeply that the stories that change us aren't so much about what happened as they are about what came next. And hearing those stories, true stories of transformation, that's what ignites the fire within each of us. A listener note before we dive in, cancer is a salty business. Sometimes talking about it and the aftermath requires salty language. Listener discretion is advised. Today's storyteller is Kira Hodgson. Kira is a designer, writer, and maker. At 31, she was diagnosed with hormone-positive breast cancer. Here's Kira Hodgson reading her essay titled A Fragile Invincibility. It was not the words they said, but rather the look in their eyes that suggested they were terrified of me. They were my coworkers and friends from before I was diagnosed. It was a month after I started chemo, and I was spending the afternoon at Dolores Park in San Francisco. We sat on overlapping blankets and passed around bags of tortilla chips, those blissful pre-pandemic moments of close proximity. The air was filled with the scent of wet earth and weed. I basked in the February sun and in a sweet normalcy radiating from my friends. I hadn't been out since my last infusion, and the park offered a reprieve for my small apartment. In the weeks before, I had lost my hair, almost 20 pounds for my body, and most of my energy. I had two emergency room visits under my belt, one of which landed me in the hospital with sepsis for three nights. An afternoon in the sun with friends felt like heaven. I ran my hand over the smooth grass, occasionally pulling out little clumps. Animated chatter from groups around us created an environment of community and joy. I was thrilled to be a part of this scene, a scene so different than the infusion floors and doctor's offices I had frequented. It was the first time most of my coworkers had seen me since I began treatment. Our conversations were punctuated with talk about side effects like nausea and fatigue or painful realities like chemo and menopause, realities that were beginning to feel routine, yet still devastating to me. My friends listened. Their faces changed. Their brows furrowed. Their mouths turned downward. Their eyes filled with fear and disconnect and discomfort. Occasionally, they said, I'm so sorry, or God, really? But mostly, they just changed the conversation. The sun beat down and my scalp began to sweat under my scarf. I untied the knot and unraveled it. My friends glanced nervously at my bald head, then looked away. I felt self-conscious, but 
it was hot and the cool air felt refreshing. Eventually, a woman walked to our group and offered pre-rolls and shrooms. As she listed off a variety of drugs she was offering, she looked at me and said, I shaved my head once when I was young. It's so liberating, isn't it? It looks great on you. Liberation was the opposite of what I felt. I felt imprisoned, confined by my is and lack of choices, by the path I had been forced down because of a diagnosis. Thanks, I said with a half smile. I actually have cancer. The last few words tumbled from my lips before I could stop them. They hung in the suddenly quieted air. Time was sluggish. The woman fumbled through an apology, and my friends looked away. Someone laughed nervously. I reassured the stranger that her apologies were unnecessary, but no one from my crew made eye contact with me. Maybe I should have just left it with thanks, I thought. I realized my faux pas. I had introduced my harsh reality to ears that were not ready to hear it. After the woman walked away, my friends moved on to other topics of conversation. Complaints about the intensity of work, dates that ended awkwardly, a new bar that opened down the road. And in between their sentences were the looks. The looks that said, I am afraid of you. I am afraid of what you represent. At 31, I now represent the possibility of death, disease. I am a walking, breathing reminder that we, the young and healthy, are not as invincible as we thought. It was in this moment when I understood that I no longer belonged to their world of carefree existence and blissful ignorance of imminent decay. My reality threatened their innocence before they were ready to let it go. But I'd been a part of their world just months before. I too was ignorant to the betrayal of which my body was capable. After my diagnosis, I was forced over a threshold that separates the healthy from the less fortunate. A threshold that taught me the truth about how fragile my body really was. A threshold that I could not go back over. For the remainder of the afternoon, I talked less. I tried my best to remember what it was like when my greatest stress was my workload rather than a fear of death. My fatigue finally caught up to me and I walked home, holding tight to the realization that I was much different than my peers. I have since found comfort within my cancer community. I cherish those who do not inch from topics like infertility, hot flashes, and chemo pills. In just a few words, I feel seen and heard and understood. At the same time, I hold space for my other friends' innocence. I acknowledge that they cannot fully understand the burden I carry because they are not part of my world. But now, when I see their fear, I keep talking. I can create tiny little windows into my world, little bridges built with empathy and compassion. The people around me who love me may not realize the truth about the world I live in, and that's okay. Because when I talk about my experiences, I peel myself apart and I show them the inner workings of disease. And perhaps this gesture will shorten the distance between their world and ours. I'm Emily Purcell, and you've been listening to Igniting the Fire Within, a limited series podcast by Wildfire Magazine and The Burn. Check us out at wildfirecommunity.org to order your copy of the book so you can read along each week. You'll also find our magazine and storytelling workshops there. Big thanks to our producer, Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant, Monica Haro. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. 
If you like what you hear, tell your best friend, tell your mom, tell your oncologist. I mean, really tell everyone you know. Or head into your podcast app and leave us a starred review to help others find their way to igniting their own fire within. <laughs>